the wide shot of Tim Roth in one hand holding the hooker's dead leg and the other hand having the needle and the girl and the kid and the fire. That was my Facebook cover photo for a very long time. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today I finally watched Four Rooms. So about seven years ago, well more than that, but at least from what I can remember, seven years ago, Four Rooms was available on Netflix. And I remember finding this out and being on a big Quentin Tarantino kick. Uh, so this was like all in the same week. Um, obviously, it's my first week of film school. I'm like 19 years old in college and I'm watching Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Four Rooms, probably, you know, back to back to back. And then um, I don't know. I, I guess it's just so like, quote unquote, experimental. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, what a cool you know, thing to do is like four directors written, but all the same, like kind of cohesive story. And I was showing everyone right now, of course, we come to this moment. And it's not uh, on Netflix anymore. And it's not so easy to just show people. So we have to like, find it. In I'll, a, never, I'll never use Pluto TV again. It's a streaming service that has every 10 minutes a commercial that you cannot skip through. And then sometimes the commercial will like skip some of the movie for you. And And then sometimes it'll restart your whole movie in the middle of the movie. Yeah, not great. This is not an ad for them. Um, (laughs) But besides that, uh, you know, just to say, wasn't my favorite experience watching a Tarantino movie. Maybe my least um least yeah but watching it the second time um you know there was some stuff i i enjoyed in it i obviously think it it sort of gets better as it keeps going um i don't particularly like the first two that much um there are a couple things i like from it but um one thing i just read i don't know if you read this did you know this was originally going to be called five rooms no do you know who the fifth director was no Richard Linklater. Oh man, that would have been great. Yeah, and he pulled out. Um, Not unlike Ted in the um, the missing ingredient. Oh no, he he just came in the bathtub. Um, but you know the Richard Linklater is just uh, what they, they they just meet in the room. They get high. The story doesn't really go anywhere until it does. So just a hangout, just a twenty minute hangout. Which I guess that would have brought this up to about two hours, so that would have made sense. Um, but yeah, I have never, not to disparage them, but I've never heard of the first two directors, although I think they're like friends with Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. And obviously yeah. I don't think they had the same like career as those last two. They're not like horrible, but I think in order to do like an anthology like this, your short movie has to be real fucking good. And both of those first two are just kind of very simple and like I th- nothing interesting that interesting happens. I, I think there's some merit to each one. Um, but like I said, the the, um, the last time I watched this 
before for the podcast was about seven years ago. And then before that was about two years prior to that. So watching it now, there is some things I like a lot more about the second room. Like I, and things I've never noticed, and we'll, we'll get more into those later. But one of the things I did like about the first and second room is that like thematically, they're much different from, all right, you have to say this, right? All four rooms are very different from each other. Um, but I actually don't have any problems with the first room. I actually think it's uh, it's a good room. I just, and I'm not just saying because we see some some boobies in it, right? But um, I think it, this, it's... This podcast, we're 12 years old. <laughs> um I don't think anyone's going to deny that. The first um, one was my favorite. <laughs> no, it, it definitely wasn't my favorite, but I just don't think just because it's not about a subject we care about, like um, what witches and and witches and Madonna, but I think it's still like a pretty good room. You know, one thing that was very noticeable just to address the nudity part of it uh, at the top is the two least famous actresses are the witches that get naked. Right. Like, you're not going to see... You're not going to go into this thing, Madonna naked. Which is funny. Madonna's done nudity plenty, so... But just... It was just like... When things like that happen in a movie, it's just, like, so obvious, and it's like... Sometimes, why did you need to shoehorn the nudity into it? Like... And, and what's funny, too, is I don't think... I've seen everything but Hateful Eight, and I don't, I don't think there's nudity in Tarantino movies. Like Jackie Brown has like the butt a little bit of, of Fonda, but for the most part, he avoids sex scenes and nudity. I can't remember. I'm pretty Death sure Proof. Death Proof is the longest since I've seen it. I, I'm pretty sure we see the entire frontal nudity of Jamie Fox for like split second I'm, I'm in Django. Talking about, I'm talking about female nudity. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think we talked about before. He just sticks with the feet. Maybe we're just reruns now and we've already discussed this. But in the only nudity in a Tarantino movie is the part he didn't even direct. <laughs> right. Now, did you read at all about how they wrote this? Like, obviously, they all four of them wrote it and all four of them took turns directing each room but they, they had to have some sort of writer's room-esque situation where they were tying the Tim Roth character into all of these um, cohesively. It's not like Tim Roth took on a different character per room. He was the same dude throughout. And I think, you know, one thing to address, too, is that out of all of Tim Roth's characters, he's probably the most boring like general character but i think that's done on purpose too because he had to just kind of he's a very passive character right like all the things that happen in the room are done to him so he just kind of has to move along through the hotel with all these things happening to him i think it's like my least favorite tim roth ever the the stumbling whispering the mannerisms yeah. the the wiggle as he walks the way he talks like the 
breathy, raspy, like whispering, like all of it just didn't work for me. But I will say that, and I agree with you. So um, Alexander Rockwell, who directed the second segment, he was the one who came up with this whole idea. And then Mm. I imagine there was like, as you said, they had to work together on like, well, this Roth is the main character. um, And then, you know, each of you can write your stories surrounding him. Um, but yeah, the, the Roth, I think he, he starts out really annoying. He's the most annoying to me in the second, which is also Mm -hmm. coincides with my least favorite. Um, and I think he gets better after that. I have problems with him in the third one as well. The fourth one with Tarantino is like my favorite one of his. Um, but he's also just being a kiss ass because he's in, you know, with a celebrity, right? So he's a little like. Not as annoying, but um, man, he was probably my main. I like Tim Roth a lot, but he was probably my major problem with this movie. I just like was annoyed by him. Well, one thing I was gonna say, and you know, Taylor watched this with me, and she said anytime Tim Roth's character had a monologue, <coughs> it was the worst part. It was the worst part of the movie, and I think he has the most to say in the second room, which then I was gonna follow up with which is probably why it's your least favorite, or at least one of the reasons. Yeah, as much as um, his mannerisms were just very over the top to me and, like, distracting, like, not in a good think way. the title cards is where a director starts directing, and then when the next title card for the next room comes on, that's when the uh, next director comes on? Because I'm always in question, who's directing the opening and who's directing, like, the in-betweens? I think... Whenever a scene ends, I think the next director takes over. And the only reason I think that is because the Marissa Tomei and Kathy Griffin scene mm-hmm. happens before the penthouse title card. But that dialogue is Tarantino. One like a hundred percent Tarantino, right? And you mean the one like, between the one between Rodriguez and Tarantino, you think the thing it's still directed by Tarantino? Yeah, yeah, where Marissa Tomei is talking to him on the phone and then he's talking to Kathy Griffin. The, the Kathy Griffin dialogue is specifically just so Tarantino. Um, okay, Ted, yes, I understand. Um, but you can't do this to me. The whole, the, I'm relying on you. The hotel is relying on you. Like that kind of like... We were big in the 50s, 60s, and then we took obviously a dive in the 70s, but we're coming back in the 90s. Yeah, it is totally fucking Tarantino. Okay, okay, yeah. um what about the opening how okay so let's just start right let's um the opening where the like the old bellhop is like uh introducing tim roth's you know as the new bellhop into the thing what did you think about that scene i was like man i don't think i'm gonna like this (laughs) just right off the bat just because of his character yeah i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like this i did on second watch like how the guy warns him about everything that he's going to confront tonight basically he's like uh avoid married arguments kids hookers don't sleep with anyone and he also said night clerks though which i didn't i don't that part didn't track with me but like the rest of it is just like the shit he had to deal with right right but Um, i mean even in the opening like title cards not title cards like the opening credits the little cartoon thing you saw a vague representation of each room too. A little bit, yeah. I was trying to look for it, and it was it was super vague to me. But like, you know, there were little kids, and there were naked women running around. Um, 
which could have either been the witches or it could have been the, I guess, the supposed hookers that run out of Tarantino's room in the beginning, which I didn't really understand. That's um, that's what I thought. I didn't get the the submissive guy and the woman in like pantyhose thing, but whatever. And then the snake. I assume the, I guess the guy handled. Yeah, I don't know. That was the witches. Snake was the witches. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but then it gets started with the honeymoon suite, and the first time I watched it, I was just so confused because everyone keeps going to the honeymoon suite. I was like, what? I don't understand what's happening. And then. Um, <laughs> Kiva with her line of like, you're not my mother. And she's like, yes, I am. And then she's like, why are we sleeping together? And it's just like the cut <laughs> to like the title. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on there? Did you recognize Kiva? I know I was supposed to. I know I was like, oh, she's been in something. But I can't. I can't. So what? You, you're going to tell me. The answer is always justified. She's the Crowder's sister who's like the pretends to be a lawyer and like helps them out. Oh, like the con artist. Sort of. Yeah, she's she's the redhead. In like the fifth season? Uh. The answer is always the fifth just season? No, I, I finished the whole I finished the whole the whole story. Yeah, well you should remember her. Anyway, um yeah, and so then everyone goes up there. I like the uh Lily Taylor character when he runs into her and she's like I'm going to the honeymoon suite. And he's like, okay, it's right there. She's like, I know where I'm going. I just wanted to tell you so you didn't feel bothered. And I was like, all right, well, you just you just made that whole thing happen. Like, he wasn't going to talk to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you recognize the the blonde? Um, that's Madonna. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Oh, what, yeah. What, mm-hmm. what have we seen her in? Um, we... <laughs> uh, you So... Her being in this, do you think it was more like a, like Quentin's already come out from his big break, right? He's al- he's already at this point done like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. So pretty much if he's signed on to a project, anyone from that era is just going to be like, yeah, I'm in, you know? I guess it has to be, but then also like maybe there's some relationship with, because I think Allison Anders who directed that segment, I think she, I think she possibly had a movie like in Sundance and that was why I, I, I think she was a little bit bigger around this time. Um, yeah, Gas Food Lodging, I think. Yeah, that was like in 92 that I went to Sundance. And so I think that might be like why. But it was like so many... Like I said, the only the only two witches I didn't recognize were the ones that got naked. But first, like the lead witch besides Madonna was from Rain Man. Then you had Lily Taylor, and then you had um, Akiva, who was Alicia Witt from Justified, that we just talked about. So it's like all these people. Then you got Marissa Tomei, Kathy Griffin, like all these people that were in this movie. And it's like I had never heard of it. <laughs> and then you see it, you're like, what the hell happened here? Um, there's a big cameo towards the end of the movie. I don't want to talk about it right now, but we'll we'll get there. Um, but like that yeah i i agree with you it's just it's such a niche movie i feel like that you i'm actually surprised you specifically haven't heard of this film because you're such a qt fan well i think when you you know i'll go through his imdb all the time and um i'll just be like all right well that's one that no one's ever talked about so that must be some weird thing that he did or something i don't really need to focus on that and then when you talked about it, and I see, like, the, you know, it was a wide-release movie, I believe. 
Um, yeah, it was just confounding to me. Uh, back to the movie. They're all doing this like rhyming thing. And then Eva <laughs> comes up, even though she's failed and does a rhyme to explain that she's messed up. Like the 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 rhymes are also so, but then the blonde woman's like is just fucking horrible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, and the um uh I think this is this is after she successfully slept with Tim Roth, but her her use of jism is great um i'm just so glad that this was directed by a woman to not have any controversy in what happens people, in the scene people would have to see it to, for it to be controversial and, but as soon as she explains that she doesn't have the sperm you immediately know like okay so she's about to fuck tim roth right yeah. um and just as a little bit of a getting fully ahead of ourselves though tim roth had a good night right I mean, he slept yeah, with the witch. Great night. He slept with a witch, a hot witch, and then he made $1,600. Yeah, he didn't sleep with, like, the witch from the witch. He slept with a hot witch. Like, he slept with the witch from the hot witch from the witch that, like, enticed the little kid to come into the room. You just said, like, I'm going to tell Joyce she was a witch. No. Do you remember, like, the witch from the witch... The hot witch? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Before she turned into the old lady eating a baby. Yeah. We didn't yeah. need to talk or, about that. After. Um, the. So, yeah. No, I think he did have a good night. Like, the only thing bad is that he got um, he got stabbed with a potentially heroin needle. Yeah, like, he may have gotten AIDS. Um, also, that little girl might have. I, uh, in the, the second room... The second room's not great either, so. So okay, let's talk about the second room because I. Oh wait, let's well, just on, finish I'm, up. I'm, yeah, I'm not done with the first because when he walks, when Roth walks in, and they're like, "We need you to make her smile." He walks over to her and starts taking off his jacket. I was like, "Oh wow, that does not. That's not great, buddy." And then he gives it to her, and I was like, "Oh, that's real sweet. Like this is a good guy." Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's. Uh, I think they put in this kind of like save the cat moments right that you start liking him as a as a character and but it's confusing too because he was warned about not sleeping with her but he totally would have slept with her there was no reason to do like the spell to like make ufos and hearts like go around him and like i don't know drug him to sleep with her kind of rapey to me but (laughs) yeah well but it was a woman doing it to a man so it doesn't I um in the nineties, yeah right. Like no one batted an eye. I a couple of things that I thought were really like aged poorly were the hearts that appeared on the screen as they were like having sex, and then in the second uh, one, just ga- skipping ahead a little bit, as he's crawling out the window, there like it pans out of the to the hotel like a huge away shot, and then an arrow points to him. You're like oh, okay already got it and then it says ted and you're like oh okay. like all right we're just so stupid that we can't figure out like what the point of this shot is i think it was just comedic purposes i mean i agree with you i i wasn't a fan of like the hearts while they were having sex i think that was too distracting but i'm like i guess if you're going for like a laugh fine 
It had like that, I dream. It had I dream of Jeannie vibes to it, which was fine. Big time. Or, big no, time. So, uh, bewitched. Bewitched. Both. I get the. Maybe all of them. I, uh, last thing, and I wrote this in the notes. So you've already saw this. Does Kiva just walks around with her nips taped, twenty four seven, or is it just for this instance? Like why? That's one. Of, that's one of those things I'm talking about where it's just so obvious. Like the the nudity is planned in such a way that just doesn't make any logical sense. And so then it's just like, what's the point? You. I mean, hmm, I don't know about the '90s, but I mean, women wear like boob tape and stuff if they don't want to wear a bra, but they don't want their. It looked like electrical. It looked like electrical tape. It probably was the kind of boob tape that looked like electrical tape, but it was probably not. They could just use pasties. I mean, I just it looked well. Stupid. I mean, that's kind of what I think it is, kind of. But she was, uh, she was a a goth, as they would say, right? I guess. Um, but the whole reason of them getting all the ingredients and having Tim Roth jizz in the bathtub was, um, uh, to bring back this witch that was turned to stone in that same exact room, however many years ago. And the way this room ends is the fact that they were successful in doing this. So, yeah, it yeah. was funny when I when I watched it the second time. I was like, it it worked, and I was like, oh shit, did that really happen? I had for, like because it's so unimportant to the story, really, or the story just seems so unimportant. And immediately after the fact that it did work, we're off to the next room right away. Yeah, yeah, no, no we don't get to see her powers. I, I did like the moving picture, which is like a, you know, Harry Potter kind of stole from. <laughs> like he's just looking at this picture, uh, and it starts moving, and she's like this, this virginal witch was like into BDSM. I love how he hands back the photo, and he's like, um, "It's not really for me to say, but uh, I don't think she was a virgin." <laughs> right. Yeah. Room four hundred four or four hundred nine, depending on if you follow it. Um, which room was it? Do you think? What was the? What was it, the room it was, I think, in the third room in uh, Rodriguez's room. It's confirmed that it was four oh nine. Correct. Yeah. Um, Before that, and, he didn't know. But the party, right? The part. So initially, this was kind of the catalyst of this room was there was a big party happening in some room, and they were too drunk to know which room, but they wanted ice, so they called Tim Roth for some ice, and they said it was four oh four. And of course, on room 409, the nine is knocked off. So it's like very vague of what room this is. Later on in that room, when he's in the bathroom and he's being thrown up upon on. Thrown up upon. Thrown up on. Anyways, um, that room is obviously a floor above, like directly a floor above. So wouldn't that be... 509 yeah so they were way off they were they were drunk or stoned or something yeah so he makes it to room 409 and like i said this is where i find him the most annoying um i normally like the guy who plays the husband in most siegfried. things i see him yeah siegfried yeah siegfried's not his real name um his character name david proval he's normally in like a lot of like Italian American roles, obviously. He yeah. can play that. But um, you know, some parts of this I thought were were funny is like the 
you know, at first you're confused, right? Because you think this is like a mistaken identity thing. And then you realize like whoever walked through that door was just going to be thrown into this like role-playing exercise that they had going on. Although and I also still, named Ted. Hmm. But I still don't know what the point of this was. Was it role-playing? Because the, the wife was like, oh, he just does this. He won't get hurt, whatever. But then later on when she's like, I'll get his pills. And then he pops back up. He's like, ah, this was a test. And so it's like, what? I don't know what the fuck this was. And then she leaves that room later to go hang out in the penthouse. So, and also they found her by the pool. Was she at the pool at like 11 o'clock at night? Uh, yes. And I guess all that happened while he was in the third room. But, um, there's a moment in the second room where the phone rings and he picks up the phone and he's like, we don't have any goddamn needles. We just have a big fucking gun. My question is, is that, and you know, it happened too, where it's like the party dude gets lost and he goes into the room after Tim Roth finally gets out of the room and it kind of plays over again. Is that, are we to believe that the whole hotel is kind of like the hotel from the, the, the tower of terror? Like it's in a, twilight zone-esque time loop thing at least that room is right so wait you're saying he said to the the i only remember it happening in the scene with the little girl where she calls and he says no we don't have needles we only have big fucking guns but he says that in the second scene too yeah we only hear from his side of the phone conversation and it seems random until until the little girl in this third room calls it well, then I think we're just supposed to believe that it happened at the same time. That he was going back and forth between the rooms. Oh. She calls She calls him about the needle. She calls the front desk and tells him about the needle. And he's like, hey, do you want the milk and cookies? I'll bring you milk and cookies. And then from there, he gets the call from the guys with the ice, goes up. And then by the time he comes back, he then brings them milk and cookies and the end of 309 happens the third story okay well what are the odds of them knowing his name is theodore no, i think that's just a coincidence but then the guy who goes into the room his name is theodore yeah i think because he was brought in for like the role playing they probably paid him so it just so happens that the guy they paid to do the role playing has the same name as the bellhop that was the guy who called for ice no, it wasn't. It was, well, there were two guys on the phone who called yeah, for ice. One threw up on him and the other one ended up being the guy. Maybe. You don't think so? No? It might have been, but either way, yeah, I mean, so they wrote a coincidental story. Like, you're just proving my point. <laughs> I guess. I, I actually, I looked at it, I don't know why I decided to look at things in a more complicated light than than which it already is. Because... I decided to look at it as like a time loop room and instead of seeing like those stories were just happening coincidentally. So, well, they did say like this was like a based off like a Hitchcock type thing, right? At least the fourth story, right? So, you know, makes sense, right? Twilight Zone esque ish. Yeah. Um, are, yeah, I, well, I just want to talk. I'm I'm kind of done with the second room. I just want to talk about one more thing about it. Is that why does he go into the bathroom? Who, the husband? Tim Tim Roth. Oh, to find the pills. The guy. But fixed then he, the heart. 
he can't and he gives up and he tries to climb out a window tries to climb out a window with no ladder which i guess you could just say maybe he doesn't know that because it's his first night um but then but then as he's out there and gets thrown up on he's just like screaming for help like who the fuck is gonna help you out there also, with the arrow pointing, and that's supposed to room, be room 409, that seems way higher than just the fourth floor, right? It's super high. Yeah. And then also, he the only thing I want to talk about is, like, why, as a guy's got a gun pointed at your head, which, by the way, there was, like, the red dot on it, which made me think, like, it looked really fake, but maybe some real guns have the red dot for the sight on it. I don't know. Oh, it's for like, the sight. I know. I knew it. Thank you a lot. I know how guns work, but I know it's for the sight, but just, like... It looked it looked less red, more orange. Like you know how like the tips of fake guns have orange on them. Um, but why does he give this whole speech about he doesn't want to be called Theodore, he wants to be called Ted to a dude who's got a gun to his head, right? But then the speech works, and then he makes out with him. And it's just the wife- it's just kind of like the sexual role, role playing fantasy that that that's like I don't know that he just yeah. The one thing I like is the wife at the end's like. You know, uh, how, how, how are you going to fuck me and then the, do this to my husband? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, with a huge cock over there. <laughs> He's like, He's got a huge cock? Let me see it. <laughs> I think that's my favorite part. I think that's a huge redemption of the whole room is, is her listing all the ways to say penis. I actually hated that part of it because it was like not a, none of them were very good. And also like, but the part right before it, I enjoyed. Um. And then he slow motion runs out of the room just for another guy to uh, meet his fate. Um, yeah. And then we cut to Antonio Banderas, who I think is awesome. You put a little, put a little flavor on that. Antonio. Antonio Banderas. Yeah, he's, a, he's definitely a little over the top, but it worked more for me the second time. I feel like knowing what I was getting into with him and his character, like Roth was a little less annoying the second time too. Um, yeah, definitely over the top. I was trying to figure out the, his wife kept calling them your kids, which is like one of the thing you do sometimes when your kids are acting up, you tell your like your spouse, like, Oh, your kids are being brats today or whatever. But I mean, like they looked like the, the, the person who cast those got fucking half Asian, half Latin babies. <laughs> they yes. Both like bit, perfectly yes perfectly and and especially when he was combing out the kid's hair he was like you have your mother's hair and he seems like disgusted by it he's like you can't do anything with it (laughs) but the like the kid looks more latin than asian but then the girl looks like a perfect mix between the two right um yeah the casting was phenomenal on that part um i have a couple questions about this though one like Roth's motivation because he takes the Antonio's like do you want five how would you like five hundred dollars and he's like oh yeah he's like what about three hundred and they haggle and he gives him five hundred right but then he's like oh I want them to bed before midnight and Roth is like do you want me to wake them up for the countdown it's like well why would you ask that and then you're like an asshole to these little kids like the rest of the time right like you know what I mean like why are you like oh should I wake them up for the countdown to be fair, I don't think he he realized what kind of shit shitlands they are until they are right. Like he was, he didn't come off rude, but then they started it. 
Shitlands. That's a new one for me. Then I noticed when I watched it the second time too, there's only one bed in this room. I noticed that too. Yes. Do you also think that uh, Robert Rodriguez was doing like an homage to Quentin Tarantino's love of feet? Oh, little kids. (laughs) You know, here's the thing, right? It's like, at times I felt I forgot that this was directed by him and I thought it was just a Quentin Tarantino thing. And then I was like, wait, why is Rodriguez doing it this way? You got to think of like from Dust Till Dawn too. That was mainly directed by Robert Rodriguez, but that showed a lot of feet in that one too. Well, he's like, I want alcohol poured from Selma Hayek's foot into my mouth. Make it happen. Um, fun fact is that, did you know that the half naked lady on the television was Selma Hayek? I did. It, it, apparently, they like agreed to not show her face, but you could see her face a little bit. Uh, and what's funny is she they needed that like last minute, and she agreed to do it. And then because she agreed to do it, that's why they wrote the dusk from dusk till dawn part for her. That's cool. So, yeah. Um, so this little girl's a big fucking brat. Is also a big thing. Like she's like, no, my dad. We paid you five hundred. My dad said you'll do anything we ask for and then she's like there's naked ladies on the tv that's not a naked lady all right you little bitch okay that's just the woman in a bikini so shut the fuck up let your little brother watch the woman in the bikini so then she's like making calls and then she kicks him in the fucking face <laughs> not a good i don't not know a good person i don't know what you're talking about these are all stellar stellar acts why is the she's... little kid sucking his own toe in the corner because little kids are gross. You have two of them. You should know this. The oldest one is two. <laughs> that kid's like 10 or 11. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> get, get, get ready. That's an immediate timeout. <laughs> little little kids are gross, right? Like, she, how did she get the needle? Where the hell did she find this needle? And then why did she keep, like, poking it and, like, just nonchalantly tossing it around? Well, she gets it from the... the bedside table which yeah the cleaning crew here is not good um so uh roth comes back up he had promised them milk and cookies and brings stale saltines and milk to be fair on that tray was a jar of jam oh well that makes it all the better and then he fucking puts vicks on their eyes so they can't open them I was gonna say I love the fact that when she like gets up and like daredevils her way to the bathroom, wipes it off, and then he's like on the phone with her, and he's like, "Could you see it?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Ha! You can't because you have Vicks on your eyes." She goes, "I wiped it off. You never thought about wiping it off when it happened to you?" <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, so yeah, you just uh, she wiped it off, and then they keep smelling something this whole time they thought it was their feet it turns out it was a dead hooker in the bed and all of this you say it out out loud it's just even funnier like some guy took the time to cut into the like not the mattress but the part underneath it i'm it's the words escaping me right now the Um, yeah and the box spring box spring there we are and then mm. puts it back over, right? Puts the bed back <laughs> over it and just leaves it there. Like, it's all good. I will say the shot of him first seeing the dead hooker and just throwing up out of his mouth, like projectile vomiting. 
this all sets up what I think is the very like a funny last visual of like he keeps calling he calls the police and keeps screaming there's a dead whore and the little girl's like don't call her that which is also like what the fuck is wrong with you that's a dead whore it's very clearly a dead whore like look at the way like get out of here kid so she <laughs> fucking stabs him with the needle he's then like holding the dead hooker he slaps the cigarette out of the kid in the bottle so there's a fire and Antonio Banderas walks in which, by the way, I guess we're supposed to... He's like a mafia boss is what we're supposed to get. Like, he's a bad guy, although that's not really... How are we supposed to get that? Uh, the little girl's like, oh, my dad... If you don't fix this right now, my daddy's going to come home and put your body right next to this one. Oh, you just reminded me of my favorite line, where <laughs> she calls she calls uh, the operator. He picks up, and she's like, there's a, there's a dead body in the bed. And he's like, no. But if I have to go up there one more time, there's about to be two. You. And she hangs up on him before he can say you. It's just so funny. But the last the last visual and Antonio Banderas walks in and like sees everything and he's like, so did they misbehave? <laughs> like he just, he's not even mad. But one thing I don't understand is like Roth was paid like $500 and he just seems to be so nonchalant about this whole thing. Like. If someone gave me, you know, there's nothing going on at that hotel. If someone gave me 500, you know, I think I would uh I'd take care of those kids. I'd find them some cookies, you know. Um the wide shot of Tim Roth in one hand holding the hooker's dead leg and the other hand having the needle and the girl and the kid and the fire. That was my Facebook cover photo for a very long time. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. And everyone's Thanks. Everyone's like, I have no idea what the fuck that is. No one ever got the reference. Yeah. Um, so we get the little inner inner thing where, um, you know, interstitial story, I guess I could call it. I don't know if interstitial is the right word. So Marissa Tomei answers the phone when Tim Roth calls, and they have this long conversation only to find out that she's not the person he needs to talk to. And then Kathy Griffin gets on there, which normally she really annoys me, but she was fine in this. Um, at the very she, end, because she was given Quentin dialogue, <laughs> right? Yeah, she wasn't doing her own thing. Yeah, but then at the very end, she's like, "The entire staff of the hotel is begging you." And I was like, "What fucking staff? There's no one else. <laughs> it's she's just the only one there. We've been told he's the only one there." Yeah. Um, and then we get to um, the man from Hollywood. So before the man from Hollywood, I just want to tell, just bring up the logical question: Is that fire is still going on in that room, right? I'm sure they dunk some water on it, you know. More more alcohol. Um, yeah. So this is probably the the misbehaviors is definitely probably my favorite room. But very second close comes the man from Hollywood. And it's just because Quentin can carry a fucking scene practically by himself. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> I didn't like some of his acting in it. I thought, like, you know, I've seen him and, you know, he's done other stuff where uh, Pulp Fiction obviously comes to mind that I think he was pretty decent in. And this, I was just like, yeah. Well, this, whole, is, this scene is very reminiscent of his Pulp Fiction scene. It's well, it's different for me. But the thing that, like, annoyed me the most of it was when he came over, he's like, I asked you how the tasty beverage was. Can you tell me how the tasty be- Let's try this again. How'd you like the tasty beverage? Fucking good, sir. He like really lays uh, Tim Roth really lays like the Brit on him for that, that nah. second part. When, you, <laughs> when you're having champagne, you you say you're drinking champagne, but 
when you're drinking Cristal, you say you're drinking fucking Cristal. Yeah. And then the whole like, I, uh, Bruce Willis is like, oh, can I take over? And he's like, oh, I, I second that motion. He's like, that matter is closed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Bruce Willis, right? Uh, would you, I bet you, he wasn't credited at all in this film. Do you know why? No, I don't know why. So he took the role for free, which violates SAG rules, and they told him the only, and he did it, you know, for QT because he's friends with them and Pulp Fiction was, you know, huge for his career. So he told, uh, SAG told him the only way they wouldn't sue him is if he remained uncredited, which is really like, I get the role of SAG to prevent, you know, directors from taking advantage of people, but like fucking Bruce Willis... Like, if Bruce Willis wanted to do this, like, it's just, yeah. that part's kind of stupid to me. Um, plus, you can pay a minimum, f- depending on, like, the actors. If you are a favor, you could pay, like, 225 I don't know how much it was in the 90s, but I think you can pay, like, a couple grand to have them in your movie. And it would still fit SAG limitations, but whatever. Um, yeah, that whole scene and the, like, leading up to the whole point the climax of the of the scene and everything like that i it was one of the most like entertaining and for so the whole thing is off of the alfred hitchcock episode with um jerry lewis who has to light a lighter peter laurie and steve mcqueen why jerry lewis the jerry lewis thing was all about the movie the bellhop and he i love that i i love when you know I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So when QT goes like old Hollywood stuff and he explains how like Jerry Lewis couldn't get any respect in the US and but the French loved him. And so the Bellhop movie, like I loved all that. And but he was they called it The Man from Rio, which was like an Alfred Kitch, Hitchcock TV thing starring Peter Lorre and Steve McQueen. But I guess it was actually okay, called okay. The Man. It was called The Man from the South. Um, and yeah, you, they there was a bet that he couldn't light his lighter 10 times in a row. And if he did, he would win a car. I love um, Chester's explanation about um, how he needs him to do it because there's a high possibility of him chickening out. And if he chickens out, then um, he loses. He's like, I am as emotionally attached to my car as he's physically attached to his finger. Yeah, the the monologue for the one minute when he brings he's like when all the way starting with like, hey, you can leave right now, but if you leave one minute from now, you'll be a hundred dollars richer. And then he gets him to sit down and he's like the others start talking, he's like, Hey, I'm the fucking closer here, right? And he yeah. just goes through this whole spiel and then finally gets in he's like, you know, we have these chances to make these memories in our life. And forty years from now, do you remember that you helped us with this, or do you want to just never remember this, right? And he's like, fine, I'll do it. Um, the one, There's a couple cool things in this. Like, one, the red Chevy Chevelle was actually QT's car, and it's the one that was in Pulp Fiction. And oh. I think I remember when we did Kill Bill that, like, that car got stolen for a little bit, and he got it back. I th- Okay, I thought we talked about the pussy wagon. <laughs> Very clearly we talked about that, but um, <laughs> I didn't think, how funny would it be if they were talking about the pussy wagon instead <clears throat> of the red Chevy? And he's like, 
I just Paul Calderon's like I just have to have that car. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing we kind of glossed over, and I I, I want to get to the ending, but the the same woman from room yeah, two is angela is in this room and like you said meeting her by the pool doesn't quite make sense unless they were going for a night swim but she seems way cozy in this penthouse suite and also the penthouse suite is weird right it's just this huge room with like a a bedroom off to the side which one of them did angela sleep with all three i don't think bruce bruce was too busy oh talking to his wife Okay. Yeah, I, so I think she probably had sex with Chester. He's a celebrity. And at one point, um, Norman calls her a bitch, and he's like, you're the one sucking his dick. Who's the bitch? I was like, holy fuck. Like, did, what happened to this? What did we miss? Yeah, something happened in the penthouse. Uh, did you like the just like the layout of the penthouse? Is One side is the bar. The other side are like four naked dude statues. And then it's just a huge room with like two couches. It's a weird fucking room. Like a weird, weird space. It reminded um, me of, have you ever seen Twin Peaks? I have not. We've talked it, about it's, they go into this like weird dream place and it's just like a red room. It reminded me kind of uh, something like that out of like, a, I don't know, a mind fever dream. I, so the reason that this one is my favorite is I love the way it ends. It's like my favorite thing Tim Roth does of where they pan in on the lighter and the first time he fucking can't do it. And he just immediately chops his fucking finger off and then with the other hand grabs all the cash and then just starts wiggling his ass as he's counting it out the door. And I love, too, that they he knows they have to go to the hospital and he takes the elevator first. <laughs> but, you know, it's perfect timing, too, because, like, usually penthouse elevators go to a secondary floor and then there's a switch over to the to the main elevator, right? Um Sometimes in, in old timey hotels, there is now I think you just need a room key and you get to that extra floor. But my favorite part is the credits rolling, the camera just stable right there. And then yeah. you see them just fucking scrambling all over the place to get and they drop the ice bucket and everything like that. I love hearing all of them talking at one time. You can barely make any of it out. But then Bruce Willis, like calling the doctor that he had lined up and he's like, what the fuck do you mean he's in he's in plastic surgery at 6.30 in the morning? What the fuck? Oh, it's 6.30 in the morning. That fucking... Okay, so that means the fireworks were going off at the end of Quentin Tarant uh, of Robert Rodriguez's thing. So six and a half hours went by between yeah, then and then? The timing doesn't make sense. And then Kathy Griffin is like, oh, yeah, you can go home, but you got to take care of Chester in the penthouse. It's like, bitch, it's 630 in the morning. I'm going home. Yeah, yeah. The timing's all all weird on that. So, um, yeah, it doesn't make sense, really, honestly. So I liked it. It's actually one of my favorite things that Quentin has done because it's just so weird. But I know you have your reserves. What's your final thoughts on the whole thing? Um. I think so. I've watched a good amount of like anthology movies, right? Like the other, like last year, I was trying to watch everything Bong Joon Ho has done, right? And so I watched he was a part of an anthology movie. And each of those worked to varying degrees, right? Because it's just like such a compact thing. 
I enjoy listening to like Quentin Tarantino dialogue. So like that one really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the misbehaviors one worked as well. Like overall, I'm I'm glad I watched it, but no, like it, you know, I love everything he's done. So like this is probably will be my least favorite thing once I watch, um, the Hateful Eight. So you never know. There's still time. After we do the Hateful Eight, we should get, have our rankings ready for that episode, just so we can see how fucking batshit yours are, where you put four rooms like above Pulp Fiction or something stupid. I'm not going to put it above Pulp Fiction, but Pulp Fiction is not going to be number one for me. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today, I finally watched Four Rooms. <laughs>